Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's regular podcast. This week it's a bit of a change-up. We've got a Top 100 special. Uh, My name's Mike Harris, I'm editor of Golf Monthly, and I'm lucky to be joined by regular Top 100 podcasters. To my right, Mr Rob Smith. Hello, Rob. Good morning, Mike. Hello. Good to be here. Absolutely. And then to his right as well. Uh, It doesn't really work on uh, on podcaster that you really need to be video. But anyway, sat next to Rob is... uh, Jeremy Elwood. Morning, Jeremy. Yes, good morning to his right. Not politically, I hasten to. Well, well, indeed, that would be quite difficult. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway, we, di- we, we digress uh, already. Um, so today we're out and about on the road, and we're actually at the lovely Knoll Park Golf Club uh, in Seven Oaks in Kent. Um, it's uh, one of our sort of contenders for the next 100 of, of Golf Monthly's top 100 rankings. And I think really it's entirely appropriate that we're here today talking about the world outside the top 100 of course um, you know we all celebrate the best courses we all aspire to play the best courses but they always as we always say come at a bit of a price Uh, it's not always easy to get a game at the top courses so I think the majority of golf that's played by golfers in the UK by the Golf Monthly readership uh, are probably courses outside of the top 100 and uh, you know, there there are a myriad of great courses all over the UK, aren't they, Rob? I know you play particularly a lot of non-top 100 courses. Um, t- tell me why golf outside of the top 100 is so good. Well, we are we are absolutely blessed with the, the courses in the UK and Ireland. Uh, we we have so many. We have got getting on for three thousand in those, those lands. And what what I've found, because I'm lucky to do quite a bit of travel with with Golf Monthly and, and for golf as well. I go overseas and I play courses overseas, and I think how lovely they are. But it makes me more and more realise how the courses we have back at home, you'd never run out of them. We we don't live long enough to play all the fabulous courses that we have in the UK and Ireland. Uh, I, I, I'm thirsting after playing more all the time. My appetite hasn't declined in all this time. And I've, uh, I've got up to a good number now, and I want to keep that number going, so maybe even reach 1,000 uh, in a couple of years' time. Uh, I've played over 900. And I, I also, as, as I've got older and perhaps less, less able as a golfer, I really value our hidden gems more and more because I want to go out there with my friends and really enjoy myself. I don't want to get beaten up all the time. Of course, it's lovely to play the top 100 courses. They're, they're really testing. They're beautifully conditioned and so on. But there's a great deal of fun to be had from going to almost anywhere and, and enjoy playing, uh, playing places you've never been to before. I think that's a really good point that, of course, one of the criteria on our top 100 rankings is, you know, is difficulty of test. Uh, and, you know, let's not forget that these, a lot of these courses that are in our top 100 have, you know, have hosted major, you know, whether it's major championships or really significant events, whether they're tour events or significant amateur events, they've got the uh, wherewithal to set these courses up, you know, to, to be really, really tough challenges. And, and, and Jez, we play the game for enjoyment, don't mm. we? Um, so, as Rob said, it's nice to be able to get out and play courses um, that are, you know, shorter in yardage, perhaps, uh, not as challenging. Absolutely. I mean, I've played... I, I didn't think I'd played an awful lot this year, but when I did a little look back on the, the courses played, there's quite a few there, and they're from the very broadest spectrum possible, from little nine-holers in the middle of nowhere to you know, championship links like County Down and other great courses. And the point you make is very valid, because my game is OK at the moment, but it's not particularly in fine fettle. So when I went to County Down, I was somewhat found out. I just didn't quite have the game to get through that. But one of the courses I was going to talk about that's really stood out to me, a little nine-holer called Wooler in Northumberland, which I discovered by chance on the way back down from Scotland. Probably had as much fun there as at any golf course I've played this year. Um, 
you drive up a rickety old track, uh, little clubhouse up there, nine quid or ten quid in the honesty box, and off you go up onto the Northumberland Moors, a course that you know has no reputation at all beyond its local area, but somewhere I really enjoyed as much as the, the top courses this year. I, I'd echo that too because I discovered one as well, a very similar idea. Nine holer just outside of Ilkley called Ben Riding or Ben Ridding. Up on the hills, the views are spectacular. It's probably maintained by one chap and a tractor. It's still in fine fettle and, and very enjoyable, but it's just great fun, enormous fun. There's a couple of barking par fours where you think, well, where are you supposed to go? But when <laughs> the second time round, you get it completely. You would always enjoy yourself. And, I, you know, again, it was £10 for the nine holes. I, I, there's a lot of great value golf out there. You don't have to be paying the three figures to play the top courses all the time. It's lovely to go and play the smaller courses. Yeah. Absolutely. And, Jez, I'm just looking over there at your um, list of sort of where you've played. There's some places that I'd really love to, to play for, Trozen Rose Markey. Tell me about that. That was an interesting experience because it's one that's been on my uh, Lynx hit list in, in Scotland, if you like, for a long time, and I happened to have the chance to go up to the Castle Stewart and, and Highlands area, and I asked particularly if I could play that one. It's actually, it's almost bang opposite Castle Stewart mm. on, a, on a spit or a headland yeah. from the other side, from the Black Isle side. Uh, and it was a five-club win throughout the round, which when you're on an exposed <laughs> peninsula or a headland like that can be quite testing, and it was a crosswind, so uh, there's gorse all around. But that course there, um, I think there are more tees that play directly on the coast than any other golf course I've played. So maybe 10 of the 18 holes you tee off right beside the sea, wow. which for me is, you know, that's a big bonus because I just love playing golf by the sea. Well, I think that's the thing as well, that, that when you go outside of the top 100 you you can often get to some pretty tucked away places and those places as you said Rob with your trip to to Yorkshire and you Jez with that Highlands trip you get to be in you know some of the finest scenery that Mm. the British Isles have to you know have to offer and I think that then brings into play the fact that you know we always say there is no such thing as a bad golf course some are just better than others but but actually when you go out to play golf, it's not just about, you know, it's not tunnel vision. It's just, you know, not about tee to green on every hole. You want to take in your surroundings. I think that's a big part of the, the golf experience. We certainly, um, you know, sort of acknowledge that within our criteria, within our top 100 rankings. But maybe outside of the top 100, it's, you know, it's even more important when perhaps, you know, the, the, you know, the golf course isn't in the most amazing condition or it's not, the, you know, the, the most fiendish test of golf. That what happens outside of the, you know, sort of, environ of the uh, you know of the 18 holes is you know is really important well i think that's spot on because um i mean we we often get approached by a club saying how do i how do we um get assessed how do we get into the the top 100 or the next 100 and sadly the answer is very often that they won't be able to but the point is they've still got a huge amount to offer i i i, I replied to one this week where i i pointed out that it, unfortunately, your course is probably not hasn't got the potential because of the land it's on to be uh, in the top 100. But that doesn't mean it hasn't got a lot to offer. And I personally would rather play it than some of the courses that are in there because it's more fun. So it depends what you're looking for from your golf. You you know the the criteria we have are really strong in terms of top 100 and, and next 100. But there's a, a big argument that you could have all sorts of lists about most attractive golf, most fun golf, most relaxing golf. There's all sorts of kinds of different things. And, of course, we're all different. We all look for different things from our golf as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, uh, you know, the affordability, uh, you know, of, go- of golf, um, you know, as a, as a visiting player is something I think is, you know, it has, has never been more, um, you know, in, in the spotlight. We don't, you know... 
we're not in boom times. In fact, you know, we may be even about to enter a recession if you listen to the sort of um, doom mongers out there. But um, good value for money really can be found outside of the top 100 because you're not paying that premium. You're not paying for the name, are you, or the reputation. Uh, and Jez, I mean, you know, some of the courses you've been to there, I'm sure the green fees are, you know, are, are very modest indeed. Yeah, I'm looking down there. I'm probably the most recent one I played, Fort, Fort William up in... Uh up in the Highlands, um, I was the only one on the golf course. It was, wasn't a great day, to be fair. There was rain around, but it did brighten up towards the end. And next to nothing, and he was the guy there was telling me what a struggle it was to keep it going because there'd been big employers based there and around mm. who'd moved away and they'd lost hundreds of members at a time. And they're trying to fight through that to keep it going. But still, the greens are in excellent condition. That The fairways are a little soft in places because of the rain they've had up there. But, you know, playing golf in the foothills of uh, Ben Nevis and, and that range of mountains on a nice day, you know, it takes some beating, doesn't it? And I don't know what the green fee was. It was something like 20 quid. So, yeah. Um, and there was another one I played, um, Gifford, which was a nine-holer in East Lothian, where, you know, which is much more famous for I think, Ches, I think, Ches, you need to move to Scotland. You need to play <laughs> most of it. Most well, of your golf there. to be fair, I have had a few trips to Scotland <laughs> this year. Um, in fact, at the moment, it's the only time I haven't got an air ticket to Scotland sitting in my pending folder at home <laughs> for the first time this year. But Gifford I played, and it's a nine-holer just inland from the East Lothian coast, and it was £35 for a day. And I made a point in the piece of saying, you know, when I found a golf course like that in my earliest golfing holiday days, we'd have just gone round and round all day, and yeah. it would have cost us about a five for each nine holes. <laughs> so we just kept going till we dropped. When you find a little gem like that, yeah. and, you know, why go elsewhere? You just stay there play a couple of loops, have some lunch, play another couple of loops. Yeah. I, I think the, the one of the big things about the green fees, you're right, there are some terrific bargains around, but it is incredibly regional or area-based as well. I think if you're in the southeast, for example, where green fees are generally high, some of the courses kind of feel they have to have a rate that that makes them perhaps seem better than they are. So golf can still be quite pricey uh, in certain areas. But you can get, going back to the the trip I did to Yorkshire last month, um, Bingley St Ives, I think it's about £40 for the day. And it's a really, really good course, really enjoyable, tons of variety. There's huge uh, bargains to be had. And I went to to West Wales uh, three or four weeks ago as well. And even playing some of the big boys like Abbot Dovey and Royal St David's, the, the, the supporting cast, Aberystwyth, beautiful golf course, Almost, yeah, next to nothing to play really in, in, in golfing terms and terrific terrific value mm. I think when we do the green fee, green fees section of the piece in the magazine you often find the rate to play a full day is, is not an awful lot more than the 18 you know, some of them it's a five or more to play all day which you know for, for the, the holiday in golfer looking for a bit of value or yeah, you might want to play a few courses but why not just set up camp for a day at somewhere and chat to some of the locals over lunch and, and really make a day of going to visit a golf club. Well, that's an interesting one too because even some of the very top clubs <coughs> are now having sort of what they uh, copy the American model of replay rates. So if you're back there with the same day or within a week or whatever, there are all sorts mm. of deals and bargains to be had and, and it's well worth looking into when you're booking your trips to see what kind of return rates you can get because you could actually go back to the really top course and because re- people do want to play. If you play a, re- a lovely course, you don't only want to play it once you want to really go back and give it yeah. another go because sometimes you get get a bit beaten up and you think well I can do better than that and I really you also appreciate the course that much more the second time round yeah and you know some of the lines better don't you you can't you hit it over there you've actually got to hit it over there and yeah um, you, you, even with a yardage book you can't always work it out 
fully 100% first time round, can you? And I think that's some of the, one of the great joys about playing some of the lesser known courses, say, because they are probably shorter. I mean, I think it's to say we're, we're at Knoll Park today off the, even from the medal tees, it's um, a relatively modest 6,200 yards. There are six par threes there, so um, you always think, you know, of any standard of golf, you stand on the tee of a par three and think, oh, I've got a chance for a birdie here. And, uh, and I guess... You know, those courses outside of the top 100 that, you know, are not there to just to, you know, relentlessly test single-figure golfers or, you know, elite amateurs. That actually, it goes back to that thing of having fun, that you've got the chance that, you know, there are some quirky holes there. You might, you know, I look, one of my sort of favourite off-the-beaten-track courses that I've played quite a few times is is Ludlow in, um, uh, in sort of Shropshire. I used to, a uh, family member um, sort of lived over that way. I was really getting into golf at the time. And I just used to go and, you know, I used to play 54 holes in a day there. And they got some great holes, at, you know, one green in a in what I think was a, you know, was a sort of bomb crater. Yeah. Uh, and it's really great fun. You get those quirky holes, which, of course, you couldn't really have on a top championship course. Or, no, you know, no modern architect building a... You know, a seven thousand yard monster would put a, you know, yeah. put a little hole in a sort of you know in a sort of natural dell, or even create a sort of natural dell to to put a hole in. Yeah, I, I played Strathpeffer this year up in the Highlands for the first time, and that was a golf course where you really needed your crampons and mountaineering gear as much as your golf clubs. <laughs> I don't think I've ever climbed as much on a golf course in my life, but the setting absolutely magical. It is, and some of the holes, as, as Mike says, you just you know if you try to put them on an open championship road to the players would just walk off in disgust yeah. probably but still <laughs> great fun to play and, and when you reach the top and realize you know actually it's all downhill from from here back to the clubhouse I will be able to make it round alive it's um well there's plenty of designs where uh, you wouldn't get away with it now if, if you take your course uh, Jez the, uh, the, the 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 long hole with uh, the, the third with um yeah so the green right next to the road if you play at Tain, you have to cross a road with your second shot on the first hole. There's all sorts of sort of crazy designs, which are enormous fun, um, and they, they show the heritage and history of the game as well. You go there, and you'll you'll be entertained. There's very few courses, certainly um, uh, of more than 50 years old, that don't have some charm because of the history yeah. attached to them, because mm. they've got some quirky feature. You know, the, the, the green is in a quarry. The, you know, the, here at Knoll Park, it's a lovely old deer park, uh, deer park and you, you will see deer out on the course today. There's, there's, there's charm by the bucket load uh, in, in virtually all of our courses. I have to say, I'm really entertained by the third at Hull Tie. <laughs> <laughs> when you're standing on the tee, 460-odd yards, and the green's in a little tiny corner between two roads, and you're coming in with... Fairly long club. As somebody hoots as they drive <laughs> past as well. Yeah, amusingly. I think they're the first to ever have done it. Um, yeah, you don't hit that green very often, to be honest. No, so. no it's, it's super tough, isn't it? And obviously we've talked a bit about Scotland there, Rob. You've talked um, a little bit about Wales as well. And over in Ireland, I know you, Jez in particular, you've played uh, quite a bit over there, found some, mm. you know, say it's an overused phrase, hidden gem, but I think there's, you know, there is no better description of a great golf course that's off the beaten track or, you know, perhaps off the radar that you find it, it you know, it, it sums it up well. Any particular favourites in in Ireland? In Ireland, off the beaten track. Um, Everything's off the beaten track. In Ireland, well, really, that's isn't true. It? I'm trying to think where I've, I mean, I've played a lot of the top courses in Ireland. I did go on a trip once to um, Ballyliffin with actually another of mm. our colleagues who's here at Noel Park with yeah. us, so Michael Weston and... We had a bit of downtime one evening. We went and played a little nine-holer called Buncranner, I think, which okay. was 
few miles. It had some of the there were points on that course where you could be hit from about five different directions. <laughs> it was great fun just for an evening nine holes, and yeah. you know, obviously providing a facility for the local people there that you know maybe couldn't afford or were just too far from Ballyliffin or whatever. Um, I'm not entirely sure that it still exists because oh, right. that's, I that's thought I read idea. something that maybe it wasn't there anymore but I could be wrong on that so if you live locally and I've just alarmed you don't don't, <laughs> don't matter too much because I'm speaking off the top of my head there but that was a fun real out of the way nine I think and Rob has played one which he really well, liked which yeah. appears to be pronounced Cruit Island but it's well, pronounced Crit- well it's pronounced Critch Island I believe C-R-U-I-T Island and I, I wasn't it wasn't even on my agenda but I was on a tour from Galway up to Ballyliffin actually and uh, some various people said oh, we've got to call in here and, and so I, I drove forever to get to this place and boy was it worth it. It, it, it the holes would go on one of those fantasy calendars because it's just fun it's right by the sea you've got little islands out on the water the, the waves breaking and you're, you're, you're elevated, so you've got these, those views all the time. But again, it, the, the course runs over sort of really quite high dunes uh, and in and out, and it's, it's no great length. It will never win any prizes, but if anyone goes there and doesn't enjoy it, then they just don't enjoy golf. Uh, it, it's just beautiful. Uh, and I think certainly, you know, when you talk about, um, you know, great views as well, I always think, and, and, and if we're talking sort of outside the top 100, uh, number three course at Gullen that I absolutely mm. love. You know, it's almost... Um, you know, it might be heresy to say, but if you gave me, you know, sort of one round to play at Gullen, I might well pick number three because such a fantastic collection of fun golf holes as well. You know, with number one courses, obviously a really tough test. Used it for the Scottish Open in in twenty fifteen when Ricky Fowler won. Uh, number two course again got some really great testing holes on. Number three, I don't think you would say there was a you know a really hard hole on it, but a lot of great fun. You know that par three I can't remember which hole it is you play up to that lovely ledge and then you've got drives down looking over um, you know over the Firth of um, Forth there back towards sort of Edinburgh as well really great great fun course yeah I mean we played it didn't we me you and uh, Kevin Murray Kevin Murray a few yeah years ago, and we had great fun there because at the end of the day you walk off having had a lot of well a reasonable number of birdie chances and when you're playing one of the great Championship links that no. can't always be said, can it? <laughs> you only have a few par chances. Yeah, absolutely. But I think you've only got to venture, um, I don't know, what is it, about five miles back further west to get one of my very favourite courses in that mould, which is Kilspindy. Oh, fantastic. I mean, I know it? you love it as well, yeah. Mike, but I mean, <clears throat> I would rather play around at Kilspindy than, than some of those others yeah. along, along that coastline there, just because you're right by the Firth. Oh, it's fantastic, and isn't it? unless you're playing really badly, you will have some birdie chances. Oh, definitely. But going, going back to that thing about extracting the fun out of it too, I was uh, earlier this week at Five Lakes in, in Essex. They have what it's built. The, the, the lakes, have five lakes there? They probably have got about 12 lakes, okay. I would imagine. Um, so which five feature in the name, I'm not entirely <laughs> sure. I happily only found one during the day with a ball. Um, but the, the main course is the lakes course and the, the, their B course, which they, they very happily say is the secondary course really, is the links course. It's still 6,000 yards off the yellow or just under. Um, now we played there, so we played both courses, and in the afternoon we came away from it. We decided that the best nine holes out of the 36 were the, the second nine on their B course because there's more fun in the design. There were, it was throwing up birdie chances, there were some quirky things in there. It was just fun to play, some lovely ponds uh, and, and wildlife. So it's not always the championship courses that will give you the greatest satisfaction where you go. It's it's the holes that appeal to the eye. There's a great thing about golf holes that don't suit the eye of a player. Well, sometimes you have golf courses that don't suit the eye of the player. And I think that if, if somewhere looks lovely, then... 
can, it's half the battle, isn't it? You're there to enjoy yourself. Mm-hmm. You want to enjoy what you're looking at ahead of you. You want to enjoy, be excited by by what appears in front of you to stand on the tee. I think we've had, we had this conversation before about Rye, haven't we? And I certainly wrote about it once where I think the best green complex on the whole setup at Rye is on the Jubilee course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we play that yep. one to the, sort of yeah, the third or fourth. Yeah, yeah. And similarly, <laughs> uh, the, the Annersley course at County Down which is very short, it's 4,000-something yards. They've just had three new holes put in by Mackenzie and Ebert. I can't remember which one of them did it, actually. I think it might have been Tom Mackenzie. And there at the end, you know where that um, that oh, point yeah. is on the main course, where the big mast is? And yeah, all, all about behind the fourth hole. Yeah. yeah, just beyond there, there's some dunes, and there are three new fantastic holes on the, the second course, yeah. You know, which possibly are going to be the most visually attractive holes on the whole site but uh, on the, I on think the that's saying course. something isn't it at Countdown was literally <laughs> yeah. I was there for a photo shoot didn't get to play the whole sort of September last year but I was with Kevin Whitson the head professional there and he was sort of pointing them out to me and they did that mm. absolutely stunning well unfortunately I was there two weeks before they opened as well so uh-huh. all I could do was wander out and take a couple of photos but they looked pretty spectacular <laughs> yeah uh, and of course the um, sort of rewinding back if you like to the next 100 that mm. would be um, something that we give a lot of consideration to when we publish the next set of rankings, which will be in our January cover dated issue, but which comes is published in the start of December. So that's when we'll publish the new list of the top 100. Um, we're always really grateful to Footjoy for their support of, of our top 100 rankings. They really sort of buy into, um, you know, the idea that golfers get out there, they want to play in all different uh, weathers, all different sort of terrains. So uh, we're always grateful to Footjoy for their support. The top 100, they support this podcast as well. Um, so when we say when we re- revisit the list and we've got the next top one, uh, the next hundred, why, Rob? Tell me, don't we rank them from one hundred and one to two hundred? It's just too difficult, Mike. Be- again, because we are blessed with so many. If, I keep saying this that if we could change the law of mathematics, we would have one hundred and fifty or two hundred courses in the next one hundred. Yeah. Um, so to try and differentiate between them becomes difficult. A because we all look for different things. And B, actually from a practical point of view, getting people, uh, getting our panellists around to all of them would be too, too problematical as well. So there's all sorts of reasons why we don't. And I think that's no great problem because to be in the second 100 is very aspirational for the clubs. It's a, it's a great honour to be in the next 100. Mm. And um, I, I think that um, we have people all the time saying, how do we get into the next 100? Mm. And the answer is, we just ch- need to change the law of maths. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we, we could quite legitimately, I believe, every two years when we do the top 100, which, which is a different matter mm. altogether, if we did the next 100, we could actually change the next 100 entirely. Yeah. You know, we did, a, a four or five years ago, we did 100 hidden gems. Some of those would be in the next 100. Um, I think that... Uh, it's a far more difficult thing. I sound like we don't do it properly, but we actually do really consider very carefully and look at all the feedback from readers and the forum and so on and our panellists in deciding who's in the next 100. And it's those that really maybe have a chance of stepping up a gear to get into the door 100. But it's a really difficult thing to do. So to number them, I think, would be slightly crazy. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it is very interesting, as you say, that... We have had that conversation. You could do a completely, you know, you could, could could move everybody in the next one hundred out, bring another hundred in, and actually, you're still talking about fantastic yeah. golf courses. Yeah. Uh, and how do you go about researching it? So, uh, if you're, you know, um, just a golfer who's looking for a golf trip, Rob, what what would you recommend in terms of researching these 
less well-known courses because there are course re reviews of all the top 100 courses whether it's on our website uh, top100courses.co.uk uh, I think it is which again has some really great reviews on there as well where do you what do you use as your source of information if you're planning a trip with your friends from your golf club to, to go off the beaten track well it's interesting because uh, I think clubs let themselves down slightly here I, I, I think one of the big protocols is the club's own website mm -hmm. and photography Jez has written a lot about this in the past uh, we, Kington in, in England if you look at its website unless it's changed in the last few weeks it's a spectacular course the settings it's the highest course uh, in, in England it's got spectacular views over Hergist Ridge and, and if you just looked at a few really good pictures you would go and play there yeah. those pictures don't appear on their website um, so I, I use the, the, the websites if I can I use mm -hmm. the other rankings you know yeah. no man is I we do need to always be aware of what's going on or what other people think of things so I certainly look at all the other websites uh, and, and listen and re we read all the other magazines so we we keep abreast of what's going on. We but, did. but for instance, Rob, so I'll yeah. just butt in there, the, the name of the course which escapes me, the nine-holer that you played in Yorkshire, was that your yeah. 900th course? No, that was the day before, Ben Riding. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so how did you find out about Ben Riding? Well, uh, I, I decided that with my little group we would, we would go base ourselves in Hilkley because there are some brilliant second tier courses mm -hmm. there uh, you've got the very biggest very good beer as well up there uh, right? yeah. fantastic varieties of beers Ilke <laughs> has its own brewery now as well um, so oh, you've got yeah, I, I tell you actually they do a very nice beer if any, any beer enthusiasts out there do a very nice beer called Mary Jane which is always on at Moortown I think anyway, right yeah I, I digress Sorry. I think I met Mary Jane one of the evenings but again that's another story um, but I, I decided we would go and play some of the second tier so you've got obviously the, the big boys the old Woodleys the Moortowns the Gantons and so on but the, the second tier down who aren't that far behind them in terms of the Huddersfields and Ilkleys and, and, and Bingley and Ives and so on. Um, I decided to do a tour there. And um, once I'd booked the tour, um, I, I, and I booked the accommodation, we stayed in Ilkley, I decided to, to, to research the area. I'm very sad, I'm afraid. I do use Google Earth, and yeah, I go absolutely. in and I look at courses before I play them, and I even plan my way around the course far more accurately on Google Earth than I do with my golf clubs, which okay. is a quite sad yeah. <laughs> indictment. So all the, all the great aspirations I have of hitting this green never happen, of course. But I, I look on Google Earth, and I just noticed this place on the outskirts. So I went to its website. I went to one or two of the other... Is it Golf Shake? One or two yeah. of the other review websites. And I thought, it's a hidden gem. So you know, We had a, a spare morning, so we thought, we'll just pop up there and play nine holes. And it was absolutely delightful. And I think anyone, if you just sort of look around a bit, anyone can do this. The, the internet is absolutely amazing. You've got so much information on there. You've got no excuse not to find courses now. As I say, the one weakness is clubs don't do themselves enough favours mm. by um, by having good photography. And, and now, of course, drone mm. imagery and so on, which which you know, really sells the, the, the course much better. Um but you, you know, there are, there's enough information there. You, 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 if you only end up playing average courses, it's your own fault, basically. <laughs> well, well, yes. well, there you go. So I hope that gives um, you, the listeners, a good flavour of the world outside of the top 100. To say, you know, everybody aspires to play the great courses, but um, it, you know, unless you've got a big uh, city bonus, you know, you need to cut your cloth accordingly. And actually, if you ignored the world away from the top 100, you'd end up uh, missing out on a lot of, let's say, hidden gems, uh, real sort of local stars that, um, say, whether you're looking on Google Earth or looking at review websites, we'd definitely recommend that get out there, broaden your golfing horizon. I think actually the more courses you play that are not top 100 courses, you then begin to appreciate how good 
those courses that make it into the top 100 are. So there you go from the top 100 podcast team uh, here at Knoll Park. Looking forward to getting out on the course in, in, in about an hour. Knoll Park, definitely a contender for our next 100. You'll have to check our uh, January cover dated issue to see if it makes it makes it in. But from the podcast team, it's goodbye. Cheers. Goodbye. Oh, <coughs> 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 Schmidt, that's, uh, we'll keep that bit in there. Coffee's got to